0: The following is a presentation of Dating Kinky, built by Kingsters for Kingsters, Poly, Queer, Transfolk, and anyone not quite vanilla. And it's free. or as he is known around the kink and fetish community. Hi there, catsuit.
1: Hello there, Nookie, and welcome to a special Thursday edition of the show. Why would I have a Thursday edition of the show on May 12th? Because today is my 60th birthday. No, I can't believe it either. 60 years of discovery. 60 years of finding out who my authentic self is. And the reason that I'm airing this show on my birthday is I wanted for my birthday to give a gift to all of you. Lee Harrington, who is an amazing author, who has written so many books for our community, has just written a book called Become Your Own Beloved, A Guide to Delighting in Self-Connection, and when he contacted me, I didn't realize that this was the book he wanted to promote. It's a book that I know that I would read, and I don't read a lot, to try to understand more about myself. And as you will hear in this episode, which becomes very personal, becomes very emotional, you will understand a little bit more about what you can do for yourself, to not only love yourself, but to connect with yourself. And Lee was nice enough to allow me to share some of my own personal stories which I think may touch a chord with you as well. If you don't know about Lee, Lee Harrington, who goes by the pronouns of he and they, is an internationally known spirituality, identity, relationships, and personal authenticity author and educator. He brings a combination of playful engagement thoughtful academic dialogue to a broad audience, having taught classes, shared presentations, and delivered keynotes worldwide for over 20 years. An award-winning author and editor on gender, sexual, and sacred experience, his many books include Traversing Gender. His many books include Traversing Gender, Understanding Transgender Journeys, He's been blogging online since 1998 and has been teaching since 2001. You can check out Lee's adventures, as well as his podcast, tour schedule, free essays, videos, and more at passionandsoul.com. An amazing conversation with Lee Harrington on what women and other wonderful humans want.
0: questions that establish the story. Five questions about firsts, bringing back the genesis of the character behind the human. It's
1: the first five,
0: and it starts now.
1: And as always, we start with the first five, this time for the third time with the one and only Lee Harrington. First time you realized that self-love was so important to you.
2: Oh,
3: I would say it was during my existential crisis, uh, where I bought myself a what an engagement ring and I was doing this whole thing around self love, and had an existential crisis that if I asked me to marry me, I might say no, mm. and that was when I realized that this was not just a performance art thing. This was not just a self-healing thing. This was, yeah, this was a, the work of the soul.
1: First time you realized you needed to share it with everyone else.
3: When I finally did get married to me. I uh, had a ceremony out in the woods and then invited a whole bunch of my friends who were at the same event to come together and eat cake with me. Like, let's celebrate this stuff.
1: First time that you realized that you were going to marry yourself.
3: Well, that was that was the existential crisis, right? That was uh, me having the idea from my friend Rose and sitting with it. And thinking it was such a cool idea, but thinking it originally was going to be like cool idea, like as a way to heal from divorce. But when I had that existential crisis, realizing that, no, this was a thing I really wanted to do. And I had to figure out how to like me first before I could get married to me.
1: I don't think I've asked this question in any of our first fives, but when was the first time you were able to look in the mirror and say, I am my genuine self.
3: I would say Burning Man 2001, after I had gotten a big communal group brand, a whole bunch of us did it one night, And then the next morning, my master, my former master, showed up out of nowhere on the playa. He lived in England, is why it was sudden and and unexpected, Uh, showed up and apologized for some of the harm he did in how we were at the end of our relationship and then our breakup. And then went and got my second brand on my other leg. And afterwards, looked at myself in the mirror and realized I wasn't beholden to those traumas, I was there with me and fully in me and authentic there in that moment. First
1: time you ever had someone who identified with you so much make themselves known to you and what was your experience going through that?
3: I mean, I've had the honor of of getting to touch hearts and minds since I was in kindergarten, um, maybe before. I don't know. i uh, I don't I mean that. Negatively egoic way, just in a a way that I've I have noticed/slash been informed that I have a habit of leaving ripples, and that means I have to be really cautious. And I haven't always had that presence of thought to be cautious in how I touch others. Um, I don't think it's the earliest one, but one that really. I still hold on to was uh, back when I was a pro dom. I had somebody I'd seen twice, um, and I'd made a choice at that point for budget reasons to see folks out of the home that I lived in. And I had somebody call me from the bus depot that was only a block away, and say, "Ma'am, I'm I'm here. I'm I'm." here to see you and I'm like we don't have anything booked he's like no but I I just want to be with you Mm -hmm. and I finally asked him do you have any other hobbies or interests he said no ma'am all I have is you I have devoted and this man had only seen me twice Mm -hmm. and I asked him how is your I cannot, like is this part of your economic reality that that could be all that you have and he's like no ma'am i'm making a choice between seeing you and eating food oh geez that he was apparently living in a family member's home um and that he was choosing to take what little money he had to see me as a prodom and uh And I told him I was really honored that that's where he wanted to spend his passion and that he felt moved and connected. Um, But I needed him to have one other thing in his life before he saw me again, whether it was that he went hiking on a regular basis, whether it was that he got a dog. I didn't. Whether he took up philately, I didn't really care. I just love the word philately. It brings me such joy, (laughs) stamp collecting. I actually Um, know what that is. (laughs) Oh, good, good. Um, Not everyone at home might.
1: Um, Well, there's also numismatist. What's that one? Coin
3: collecting. I love that. That's awesome. But yeah, I told him he needed one thing. And um, he never saw me again. Mm. And I still wonder, like where and how his life is, because me showing up in his world made him make the choice between me and food. Mm. And that's, that's really stuck with me ever since.
1: It leads us very nicely into the fact that sometimes people have to find the love for themselves first, before they can allow others to share that love. And when we come back on what women and other wonderful humans want, we will take a deep dive into Become Your Own Beloved, a guide to delighting in self-connection. Our guest is Lee Harrington, and we're back in just a moment. We do this show without paid advertisers and
0: provide it to you as a labor of love. If you want to help the show, as well as contribute to Catsuit's conference fund to get live interviews and teach some amazing classes, you can give at bit.ly slash Now let's hear from some of Catsuit's friends with some messages for you.
2: Are you curious about kink but don't know where to begin? Or maybe you have a friend who, while they appreciate your interest in BDSM, they don't really understand what it's all about. You should check out Kink for the Curious. It's a fun little activity book with color pages and word finds, lots of silly puns. (laughs) Uh, But lots of solid BDSM and kink information written by somebody who's been in the business for almost 30 years King for the Curious a BDSM activity book for beginners written by Princess Natasha Strange that's me <laughs> is available on Amazon go get it now Welcome to the yoni I'm Scarlett and I'm Anya. The Flaming Yoni Podcast is a celebration of the
0: beautiful and unique expressions of female sexuality.
3: From asexual to megasexual, from lifelong monogamy to relationship anarchy, From deep
2: spiritual bonds of sacred union to spur the moment flames. It is all infused with yoni energy. Search for The Flaming Yoni on your favorite podcast
0: platform. You will not leave the same as when you came. We invite you to connect with us on social media so you can follow all the great news about the show. You can find us on Twitter at WhatWomenWantP1, on Instagram at WhatWomenWantPodcast, And on FetLife at www.podcast. And if you want to follow the host, that's easy. As on Twitter, Instagram, and FetLife, he is Hi There, Catsuit. And now back to What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want, presented by Dating Kinky.
1: Thank you, Nookie. And welcome back to the program. Lee Harrington is my guest. And if you take a look at the back cover of his book, Become Your Own Beloved, a guide to delighting in self connection, you will see the following. Learn how to ease the pain of loneliness, heal longtime emotional wounds, and celebrate yourself as a complete being in this inclusive guide by an internationally renowned educator. Lee, you didn't know this when you reached out to me for the show, but for the past seven years, this has been my biggest challenge.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and there's a good chance I may get very emotional in this show. Um, after my divorce after 20 years of marriage and seven years of separation, uh, I, for some reason, thought I could remain friends with the person that I spent so much time with. And on a Christmas, she decided that she wanted nothing to do with me if I would not be her husband full-time. And since that moment, which was about three years ago, I have not had a relationship of any length or any any quality since then. And people Mm -hmm. have been saying, of course, the old thing of you have to fall in love with yourself. Well, my biggest problem is I do love myself. I do love the person I am. I love the person that presents this podcast. I, I love the person that's able to do education. But something's missing. And when I read the notes for your book, I'm going, oh, my God, is he calling me (laughs) to be on the show? Because this is what I need. Mm. What was your basis for wanting to do this particular work?
3: Well, First, I want to honor and say thank you for being open and sharing that. Those are not easy stories, even in the shorthand, to tell. So, thank you. I really appreciate that. Um, I mean, I, I answered some of it in the, that first five, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, 12 years ago, I was on a book tour for another author's work, Cat Valente, and we were, on, I was on a book tour with her, and we ended up meeting, I ended up on a train and meeting this amazing person named Rose, and... Rose told the story of how they got married to themselves, how they had gotten this little silver ring and proposed to themselves. And I'm like, that is a really cool and quirky and fun. And also my heart simultaneously went, oh, that, because like yourself, I'd had an amazing seven year marriage with somebody who I really loved. And when I chose to medically transition as a transgender person, he realized that even though he was bedroom bisexual slash pansexual, whatever we're calling it today, um he wasn't romantically.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And no matter how much he loved me, it just, it wasn't going to be a thing. Love was not enough. We also had differences on a lot of other things too, but like, that was one of the pieces of it, and and I'd really struggled, and so this idea of, oh, oh, that's so cool, get married to you, like, that'll be a great healing ritual, that'll be a performance art, that'll be all of that, and um, along the way realized that it was a bigger topic, it was a bigger issue than that. And since then, twelve years ago, I, I started about a decade ago, taking notes about like what this process was like, because people were asking me, "What do you mean you got married to you? what How's that work?" So I started doing blog entries or started having conversations. And one of the things that really hit me was the sheer number of us that didn't have a relationship with ourselves that if we use relationship, as if we shorten that down to ship, right, that there's so many ships out there in the world, there's friendships, there's romantic friends, like romantic relationships, there's like, there's all these different types of forms. And a lot of us don't have any of them. When's the last time that we sat down and hung out with our friend? Not I am alone watching TV. It's I and my friend, that's me, I'm going to like order some pizza and just hang out with me and have a friendship hangout time with me. When's the last time I took myself out on a date? When's the last time I, I did one of those like 101 questions to get to know your lover? When's the last time I asked me some of those questions? Rather than waiting for another human being to hopefully ask me. Um. And then combining it with living in this culture in the United States, um, in a culture that says I need to have a better half. I need to have another half, that I'm not even a full human, unless there's something else to complete me as compared to saying, I'm a complete person, you're a complete person. What's it like to be two complete or seven complete? I don't know what your relationship structures are, right? (laughs) But like, What's it like to have all of us as complete people be together rather than needing to complete another person? And I'm not saying don't be in relationship when I talk about this stuff. I'm, I'm saying that it's really cool that if you are already in relationship to also pause and go, well, who is this being that is being in this relationship? And that's what brought this project about. And then uh, a year ago, I was uh, had a publisher approach me about doing something for them. And we're bantering over the phone, and I'm listing all of my what I call orphans. Right? I have all these <laughs> unfinished products, projects. because well, I mean, people who know me who've listened to me on this show before, like I've got ten books under my belt before this, between books and anthologies. And so, like, I I write a lot. I do a lot, but I've got ideas that have been birthed out of conversations or out of classes that I've attended or classes I've taught, like there's these pieces that get started and then don't end up with a home. And this was one of them. I had like a kind of outline sort of, and three chapters finished. And this publisher was a uh, twin flame approached me and said, Hey, what's in your orphans pile. And so I started listening to them, and They heard me say this one and they went, Oh, in the cur- and I wasn't thinking of it from this framework, but the uh, uh, Elena Vega, my my editor, said, um, "In this time of COVID, we need this. People have been saying things: you've got to do self care, you've got to do self love, but no one's talking about self connection." And I had not thought about it in that framework at all. And her gift to me of saying just that sentence allowed me to sit down with it and really reconsider this material because I was coming from a healing from divorce statement, right? I was coming from that kind of like, how do we create a friendship as compared to a relationship with ourselves and her gift of saying, how do we connect with ourselves? So we remember the tool set of connecting with another human being. How do we do this so that we're not alone, especially for folks that I know that are, because people say, oh, COVID's over. I'm like, not for all of my friends who have immune compromised realities, not for people I know who are literally, like whose family members are still dying, for folks who are still isolating, this is the work you need for that purpose too, right? Both really matter.
1: I have always thought of external relationships as being those who make me a priority. Mm. Mm. And while I have people who I am a priority of, I do not have anybody that I am their first priority.
3: Mm. Mm-hmm.
1: I also have been a total failure of making myself a first priority because my life has been defined by what can you do for me? So in that mindset, being able to make myself a priority gets lost in the if somebody else could make me a priority i'd feel so much better
3: folks who are listening can't see that i'm like emphatically nodding on the other end of this call like oh like that resonates so deeply with me um my boy and i actually had a really hard moment about a year ago when I realized that they were, when they were having a hard time, they were reaching out to their cousin or to one of their other friends or, and weren't contacting me. And I, has, I was like, but I'm, the, like like you said, I'm first priority, I should be the first whatever. And I didn't realize that I had that story embedded in my skin. Like I wasn't aware that I was having that thought process that you're talking about. Um. Until they said, daddy, I'm not, what? Like they were so confused because to them, this array of beautiful humans, and I have an array of beautiful humans, but that's, you. you for them, it's about different types of connections and different ways that they, you know, support and are supported by them. and um, And it really had me sit with what you're talking about. If I'm having a hard time, who do I turn to and who is making me a priority in these different things? But, but also, where am I giving my space, myself space to make myself a priority, including asking myself the question and seeing who I have in that network? I literally sat down on my phone and made a list called friends. And I'm like, who are my friends? Like That, that moment of little crisis. And if we're talking about making ourselves a priority in all of this, What does priority look like, right? Is it me saying that once a month, I will take myself out to the movies? Cool. That's a way to make yourself a priority. Or is it that um, what I'm doing right now with my therapist, where they even challenged me to only book three things a day, right? So there's space to do emails, but also space that I can actually pause and breathe or go down three blocks from me to the coffee shop and get myself a beverage and sit for a hot minute, right? Making ourselves a priority doesn't have to be every two months you go on a three-day yoga retreat, right? That doesn't have to be what making yourself a priority looks like. It could be stopping and choosing to like choosing what you're making for dinner and making the choice based on what you want rather than what you're in the habit of making for your ex that's a version of making yourself a priority maybe it's when you're driving from one location to another blasting megadeth right (laughs) or whatever it might be really enjoying some vivaldi however your world works um And musically making yourself a priority. What would it be like if we paused and found those little ways? Because I think sometimes we envision that priority has to equal time, but it could also equal energy. I'm taking an amazing course right now with Jade T. Perry, and if folks do not know their work, she is a black, queer, disabled, churchy, mystic and tarot reader who is amazing and, and kinky. So if you, especially if you are a black femme listening right now, her kink online events focusing on uh, black femme pleasure are amazing because she's also kinky. But um, I'm doing intensive right now about being easeful in our lives, right? Which is a form of prioritization of our own energy. And she brought up this idea, like in passing, but it's like sunk its, its roots into me. And my brain has gone since then into all kinds of directions on it. But this idea of prioritizing ourselves also includes not just who do you add to your life, but who do you remove?
1: Mm-hmm.
3: That that notion of respecting our relationship to ourselves is noting what other relationships are destructive. She didn't say this part. This is now my Mm spinoff. But like what is harmful? Because if I spend all day thinking about my former partner and spending all of this time on them, they're getting rent for free in my brain. Mm -hmm. I am prioritizing them before I am prioritizing me. Right? So it could be that too, like what does the the structures of prioritizing ourselves can take so many different forms and they don't have to exclude other people, right? We can still prioritize our local kink community and yet also prioritizing that sometimes putting up some of those boundaries allows us to be able to show up more fully in that relationship. So, yeah.
1: And I think that a statement that I just put right out on Fet a couple of months ago, we we're saying I'm going to prioritize the people who invest time with me first. Mm. Mm-hmm. Right, because I have hundreds of friends. Yeah, the amount of people that I have who pick up the phone and text me Mm -hmm. maybe about 10. Right. The one that does it every day is one. Mm -hmm. And I love her with all my heart. And she is my queen and she's my best friend. But I also know that she has the love of her life, her boyfriend. Yeah. Yeah. So that's where you're like, I know I'm a priority. I know I am a top priority for her, but I don't want to get in the way of what I think should be her top priority. Mm-hmm. And it's like you're sacrificing sacrificing your priority because you want others to succeed and then why don't you do that for yourself?
3: So, I think this is this comes from having been some form of consensually non-monogamous or polyamorous since I was in middle school, mm-hmm. right? Um, I find that there's a lot of folks who have a best friend and a romantic partner who they spend, if you do the real math of the energy in their brain, almost equal amounts of energy on. Mm-hmm. It doesn't get the same label, but both are so ingrained and important in their life that if they didn't have one, if you had to choose between your best friend and your husband or whatever it might be, it won't neither party, none of the parties will succeed. Mm-hmm. Right? And And I think if I take that same polymath. Right. And that one I just gave isn't an example from polyamory, but I think it actually is an example from polyamory because it's two different forms of love, but they're both love. Mm -hmm. But if I actually treat this like three people instead of two people that I'm choosing between, if I'm treating this like three people, we've got A, B, and C instead of only worrying about A, B, and A, C to think about what my relationship with A is, Mm -hmm. Because me prioritizing this, not just as how we match as these pairs, but how am I taking care of me? How am I treating me? Because if I am showing up with more, with more juice, with more energy, with more whatever, there's a higher likelihood that I can be present in these other two relationships, in a way that that allows them to feel seen too. Mm-hmm. But I have somebody dear to me that um, recently was talking about how they really wanted to be there for their partner, but they were drained. That their partner was going through a really hard medical time, and they kept trying to help and do all this, but they they literally needed to sleep because work was exhausting in them and they didn't wanna to have to choose between work and their partner. And I said, yeah, but there's a third relationship you're forgetting. And they're like, I know with myself, like they, because mm-hmm. so, they knew the answer, right? Um, but we might groan about it, but if I show up having actually slept, if I show up to my own life having actually slept, what could I actually do? not in a grind culture kind of way, right? That you have mm-hmm. to do this for the opportunity to be more productive, which is what a lot of American culture does. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the way of quality of presence, the difference between that text message that says, "Hey, how are you doing?" And comparing that to the text message that says, hey, how's it going today? I was thinking about you. Mm-hmm. That, that there is a difference to that quality and that kind of self-attention I find can up that quality in our lives, up our, our excellence.
1: I had a text message that I sent to my queen uh, a couple days ago. Um, we're recording this on a Tuesday and it was actually yesterday. It was Monday. mm -hmm. And I sent her a text and I said, Hey, love just wanted to wish you a wonderful start to your week. I hope it's an absolutely beautiful day and I love you with all my heart. Mm. And I was doing it as a voice text. And as soon as I finished that word, I just started bawling in the car. Mm -hmm. And um, you can hear my voice cracking now. The love that I have for her is immeasurable. Mm -hmm. I have written a post on FET, and I made it available outside of FET as well, called Simply Love. And it is this thing that I do where I have absolute love from the bottom of my heart for so many people. My queen, my friends in Florida, Tina, Sophia. Uh, I'll put the prodom that I'm spending my birthday with. Um, Jean Bardot is one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, Professor Gray, Miss uh, Miss Mary, I mean, I could list all these people that I have texts that say, "I just wanted you to know I love you today,"
2: mm.
1: and I get it back in kind. I'm just not sure if the words travel through my eyes and into my brain to make me feel that love to allow me to love myself. It's almost as though I'm giving out so much that there's a barrier to receiving it. And I've actually talked to a a dom or two saying that my biggest challenge is the acceptance of love. And in this particular project and in this book that you have, I would think that would be one of the biggest challenges of all is somebody can like themselves, but do they truly love themselves?
3: So, in this specific book, I, I talk about those things at other parts of my life. In this specific book, the focus is on self- connection, mm-hmm. right? How do we have relationships with ourselves? How do we how do we forgive ourselves when we fucked up the the things that we have in mm-hmm. relationship? um and love is only one form of that, right? Because love takes so many different shapes, so many different styles. I think for me, they're intertwined, though. That building our connections with ourselves, building the the long term, knowing that we're going to be death do us part, literally, with ourselves. Um, creates a space where we build the relationship that will actually help us thrive. And in that have love exist. Uh, uh, there's such trash television I'm watching with my partner right now <laughs> called Indian matchmaker. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. And it follows a woman who goes by the name uh, auntie Sima or Sima auntie um, who's from Mumbai and it's her working with uh, either folks in India or in various parts of the world, English-speaking world uh, that are of Indian descent to uh, help them find partners, right? Mm-hmm. help them find people to marry specifically. And she argued that there's two different major ways um, that people get married. There's a arranged marriage or a love marriage. Love marriage is I will fall in love with a person first, we will date for however long, we will be in relationship, and then eventually we get married once love has been is there and then roots grow arranged marriages she argues are that you build the relationship you say this is this, this is the thing we're doing we're getting married right we've met there's enough in common we are getting married and then love grows over time because it's a, but it's a different shape of love the The Greeks argue it as well that, um, I'm trying to remember the term for it right now, I know I have it in the book, Um, but there is love that comes, sparks in eros, right? Passion, desire, drive. Um, But there's this other concept of love that is the understanding that comes when you have known someone for 20 years, right? That kind of, of thing that exists. And with what I'm hearing you talk about, I'm hearing the differences of what's the different flavors of how you could hear love. Are you looking for the love that is parent to child, that is a different shape of love? What would it be like for that shape of love to land upon your skin? What would it be like to have Eros land upon your skin? I would. Hey, happy masturbation month, by the way. Um, <laughs> May is Masturbation Month, um, Masturbation Awareness Month, right? Like, is it about Eros? And I wonder, and, and I'm curious, the question for you, when you say, I don't hear it an, in a way from them to believe it for me, what, what would that look like? like? If somebody were to say, hey, I, I wanna do this with and for you, you matter. I care about you. What would it look like for you to be able to have a space to receive it?
1: I have people that do that for me. I was telling you before the show about someone who has been a long time listener of this podcast who said that. They wanted me to be able to experience the things that I talk about. Mm -hmm. And reached out and said, I want you to be able to do that. And as we tape this, it hasn't happened yet. As this airs, it is happening, which is kind of interesting. Hmm. But my mind is full of trepidation of discovering excitement that I'm going to be able to experience. Mm. I know that I'm worthy enough of it. But I'm still trying to believe all of it. Because Mm. I know that I would go to the ends of the earth or many, many people. I just haven't met many people who would do that for me. Yet they do all the time, and I don't take the proper inventory of it. Mm. And if I go back to it, um, you know, I've dealt with depression for many, many years. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes nobody knows it. Sometimes everybody knows it. But I can always point to the day that my dad died that it started. And I think it has to do with the fact that my dad was my rock, and he always let me know that everything was going to be okay. And Although people say everything's going to be okay, I could believe it when he said it. And when he passed away, he pretty much said, I'm sorry I didn't give you everything that I thought I could. Because my dad did really well in life, and at the time he passed, the economy tanked. And everything he thought he would be able to do for his children, he wasn't able to do. And I just, I just saw the fact that his desire to do things for me was something that I never expected. And I'm ramblingly, <laughs> but I think what it looks like to me is when I can look at the person that is giving that to me, feel the connection, and feel the energy that goes between the two of us that allows me to realize that I don't have to be selfish to accept it. Because so much of my life has been thinking I'm selfish whenever I just want something for me.
3: You are not alone in those feelings. And I myself empathize with that last statement, especially. Um, That, that idea that asking for our base desires should base needs in some cases feels like greed or selfishness. I uh, had somebody I was in relationship with for many years and about a year into relationship, like every time they would say, I need this, I need this. I would go out of my way to make that happen Mm. because in my head, need equals survival, right? Like because if you ask for your wants, that's above and beyond. You, I mean, your wants are like just your wants, right? Um, and then I realized, like six months to a year, and that when they said need, they weren't survival items. They were saying that they're what I would define as wants. Mm-hmm. Um, so that idea that that you have to feel that that's you're not alone. Um, I wonder when you talk about your that relationship with your father and your father saying it's going to be okay and and this is coming from a perspective that that i have an ancestral vener i have an ancestor altar um i offer i put up offerings on a regular basis to my ancestors of blood of love of career etc i've got everyone from you know all my various grandmothers to a picture of Fakir Musafar and, and uh, uh, you know, Tony de who, for folks who don't know, Tony de invented the leather pride flag. He was also mm. my daddy's daddy. Um, or Fakir, who's like the grandfather of the modern body primitive and, and piercing and whatnot movement. But I've got them all as alters. And so for me, like, ancestral connection is is part of my literal daily life. I wonder what it would be like to have his voice in your head saying it because you're carrying him like literally your DNA and if, if you are not biologically related to him his years of embedding his heart into you yeah. I wonder what it would be like to get to hear his voice not on a literal level but like embedded in your head the difference of you saying it's going to be okay and getting to hear your dad in your head say it's going to be okay. Because nobody else is, yeah, go ahead. I know
1: this is going to sound strange as hell, but
3: his voice comes out of my mouth. Mm. Oh, that just hit me. Again, folks can't see me, but like literally I held my heart. That is I That's mean, stunning
1: and beautiful, it is, and like it has been my. It's been my job to tell everybody they're going to be okay, mm-hmm. even yeah. when I'm not, and but I know ca- that you're caring for his missive. Too. Yeah, I mean, my relationship with my dad wasn't always great. He challenged me a lot, and. Uh, There were extenuating circumstances where I didn't treat him too well, Mm -hmm. but then we became best friends. And But what he gave to me was this, it wasn't a soft landing. It was, if I fell, he was there to help me up. He didn't keep me from falling. And that was a very important thing that, I know my kids didn't always understand. But especially with helicopter parents of today, where oh, we don't want anything to happen to our kids. We want to make sure that they all feel good about everything. And if I didn't learn to fall, I wouldn't learn to get back up. Yeah. And so if somebody's falling, I my hand is always. Reaching out to them, to help them back up,
3: right? And what you're asking for is a hand in turn. Yep, yeah. that would
1: be it. Yeah, I'm gonna take a break, <laughs> and when we come back, we're gonna talk about more of this wonderful book that Lee has put together and. Share some more stories when we come back.
2: Hi, this is Venus, and I have a special message going out to all the single ladies listening right now. What if you could have a committed, loving relationship with a partner who is monogamous to you, but who would love to see you have sexual experiences with others? Sounds too good to be true, right? Well, it's not. You really can have your cake and eat it too. You can have it all. Learn more at venusconnections.com. That's venusconnections.com. This is Alicia Zadig, author of the new book, Yes Mistress. I'm also Mistress Alicia, a leading dominatrix and BDSM expert. My book, Yes Mistress, takes you on a provocative, eye-opening journey into the erotic worlds of kink, fetish, and female domination. Join me for a fascinating conversation. Male submission is more common than you think, and more rewarding than you can ever imagine.
1: Yes Mistress, now available on Kindle, and you can order your copy at yesmistress.com.
2: Hi, Dawn. Hi, Dan. Recently,
1: we put together a brand new book called Hearts and Collars, reflecting 20 years in a power exchange relationship. It's 350 pages of what we've been living for the past 20 years.
2: Indeed, and it's got chapters like communication, power exchange and spirituality, how to be a leader, high protocol, becoming a follower, rituals, the new porch time, victim, survivor and thriver, power exchange and polyamory, submissive versus wife, the practical contract guide. Relationship short shorthand. As well as other tools and experiences we've had over the years.
1: Check it out at eroticawakening.com/slash hearts and
2: collars. Bye Dan. Bye Dawn.
0: Hi there. I'm Nookie. My pronouns are she, hers, and I'm the founder of Dating Kinky, a different kind of dating and educational site for Kinksters, Polly, queer, trans folk, and anyone not quite vanilla. And it's free. Catch me in my own podcast, Dating Kinky. And now back to John and their guest on What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want.
1: Thank you, Nookie, and welcome back to the program. I'm John, also known as Hi There, Catsuit. Happy to be joined by Lee Harrington, who has an amazing book, Become Your Own Beloved, A Guide to Delighting in Self-Connection. And one thing that I have noticed in this entire conversation is that what you're talking about is very polyamorous in nature. Oh, yeah. That to have a relationship with yourself and with others There's a lot that goes into the polyamory type thought process. Mm -hmm. And the foreword of this book was done by none other than the co-author
3: of The Ethical Slut, one Dossie Easton. It was such an honor to I, I, I wrote a couple of people that I know that would be just like one of those, like shoot for the stars, right? Shoot for the stars. you land in the, in the sea or whatever the hell that map, like whatever the hell that is. Um, I always get that metaphor wrong, but, um, (laughs) it was funny when I first pitched to her, she's like, cool. So I'm going to write in it about my, my explorations with kink and this and that. And I'm like, Dossie, it's not a kink book. And she's like, okay, so, and like, as she's writing, she writes me like this this piece and I'm like, Dossie, it's also not, a. there's like, we're not talking about masturbation when we're talking about self-love. Like, yes, I mentioned masturbation, right? Amongst exploring your senses in general. Yes, I mention uh, kink in passing, like in one, like in in two lines, Um, but that's not what we're doing. And suddenly it hit her where she was like, oh, Oh, I know exactly what I need to write about. And so her intro is about her experiences during the summer of love of being a single parent, moving to the Bay Area and trying to figure out who am I other than other than mother, other than former whatever partner of whatever like who is who is this person called me? And and who does she want to be? And asking herself those things as a young mother. And when I got this forward, like my heart just, like, I'm even still getting goosebumps. Like it was so tender. And And most people are used to seeing Dossie as being this rich resource, right? An author, a educator, a therapist, et cetera, who's been excellent in her field now that now in her 70s, like has been excellent in her field for so long. Um, but to see the tenderness of her own story of who she, how she tried to figure out who she was, was such a gift to get to hold. And I am... I'm really glad I asked her because it gave, it's going to give people a chance to look into her life in a way that she hasn't shared.
1: In this book, we see your journey for self-connection and self-love, but more. And I think it's because you were one of my first guests on the show and I had heard your story and I hadn't had a chance to meet you, but more than anybody I can possibly think of the term self love for you applies. Mm. And here's my reasoning. You were born in one way. You lived your life to the fullest in that way. You went with your genuine self. You transitioned into the person that you knew you were meant to be. You've taken that person and created this beautiful soul that goes with passion everywhere and educates and allows people through your eyes to see all the possibilities from all the different things that you've done in your life and you've been through. And if it weren't, for
3: self-love, you couldn't have made it through all that. Thank you for the gift of sharing how you see my journey. Um, and for folks who don't know, I literally have the word "love" tattooed across my belly. Um, <laughs> I joke that it is both a dirty four-letter word in our culture, as one of the as well as one of the many names for God. Um, But I don't know if love has always been there. I think love has ebbed and flowed. I think liking me has ebbed and flowed. Like the underpinning of love as a concept that is how we connect to the divine and how we connect to our core sense of self, absolutely always there. But like these flavors of love that I even mentioned, like they've, they've come and gone and come back. Um, and that idea that like I lived in one way and then changed another, I personally argue that we all have lived in one way and then changed to another. Mm-hmm. Mine just happened to look a little bit more dramatic as a transgender person and as a you know body adventurer and whatnot. But but I think we all do. And and finding our ways into and out of, and then back into love when we realize we've tripped and fallen and and need to find it again. If, if I have the ability to, to do some of that, then I am grateful for it, but I, I couldn't have done it without, as you mentioned before, that my polyamory journey, I couldn't have done it without my kink journey. I couldn't have done it without my body mod community journey. I couldn't have done it without my psychotherapy and being part of of those worlds worlds as a recipient of such paths communities like I I couldn't have done this work um, like I am I and my work are a continuation of those who have come before me and gifted me their stories uh, so if I have to be able to, to, to give some of it forward then I am grateful to do so
1: I'd look up to what you do for the community and the gifts that you've given us. I mean, I could go and, and I have at the beginning of the show, read the bio that you have. But the genuine Lee Harrington is one of the most gentle giving lovely people I've ever met and as we air this show it is my 60th birthday Mm. that 60th birthday has been through many different times where I grew up in a world where Renee Richards was the only connection I had to what a trans person was. Mm -hmm. And it was just one example. And I didn't understand. And then I grow and I start understanding in my late, late, late life. Gender. The fact that life is not a choice. You go through things because that's what it meant to be. My own personal journey where I wake up in the morning and I can't feel one way or the other sometimes. Mm. To which my kids would probably my daughter would understand because she has a wonderful non-binary partner. My son, a born-again Christian, very he's he's church going, but he understands things. Yeah. always goes dad you just do that stuff i don't want to hear about (laughs) it's Um, one of those dad i love you but can we separation yeah yeah
3: yeah
1: but what you've done with this particular project um it's needed in our time it's needed at this time and Whatever I can do to help you spread this word, please let me know. <laughs> um Thank you. I take it it can uh, passionandsoul.com is the best place for people to to find it, or where is the best place for
3: people to order it? Uh well to find me, absolutely. And I'm everywhere on social media. Uh basically if you type in passion and soul, you, you find me. Um mm-hmm including on Patreon for folks who like um, monthly, free, monthly free classes. If you like weekly resources of all sorts, like I've been prolific on Patreon, uh, which is patreon.com forward slash passion and soul. But when it comes to where you can order it, um, it's obviously available on Amazon. It's available in lots of different places online. But um, if you have the ability to support your local bookstore, they might not carry it right now. But if you request it, it means that the profit is going to them too. Mm -hmm. So as somebody who is a, you know, shop local kind of activist, um, I I really think that's important. So if you have the ability to do so, please do. Um, If you buy it off Amazon or some sort of other place, leave a review, please. That's how you, how we get this out to more people. That's how it shows up in the algorithms. That's right. We do it through supporting each other. Uh, Also as a note, uh, it's not currently available as an audiobook, so I want to name that when it comes to accessibility. However, uh, I'm in the process right now. Hopefully, it should be out in the next uh, week or two. That on the you on the webs the website uh, that's listed in the book that will have where you can download handouts if separate things are, are easier, etc. cetera. I'm planning on recording all. I'm going to be recording all of the uh exercises as being audio accessible for folks who that is a better technology for them at some point we're going to have those audio audiobook. that's the only place we don't think we don't have up
1: well it is a wonderful project and i am so glad that you reached out to me like i said it could not have been timed any better mm. and uh because it was so personal i am putting up a special Thursday episode on my Mm. birthday to share this gift with everyone else. And so Lee Harrington, it is always an
3: absolute pleasure talking to you. So good to see you and hear your voice again and connect once more. You are doing such beautiful work, connecting people with dreams and desires that they would have never know that they've had. And also your story it's gonna touch someone else out there who's going through this exact same thing. That's one of the things I've learned in this project and so many others in the past 20 years of teaching is that we're not alone. And so even if we're doing this solo work, we're not alone. And that to me is so inspirational. It really is on days that I'm also dealing with you know, mood disorder adventures, whether it's in depression or in points of mania or in moments moments even of rage or separation and, and disassociation. Sometimes remembering I'm not alone, that can change a life, that can change a moment.
1: I can't thank Lee enough for sharing space with me on the program today. What an amazing gift for my birthday it was, and I hope that each of you were able to receive something personal as well. I am down in Florida right now, experiencing a once in a lifetime experience, which we'll be telling you about in the upcoming weeks here on the program. But needless to say, when I come back, I will have a different view on what we talk about in this program and a heightened understanding of the people, the emotions, and the atmosphere that we all love. It's the world we live in when the rest of the world goes away while we're in it. It's the most beautiful world I know and I'm happy to share it with you each and every week.
0: Here's what's coming up on the next edition of What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want, presented by
1: Dating Kinky. Bondage, discipline, domination, submission, sadism, masochism, BDSM, and kink. Relax. They've got you. It's the approachable pervert, Eve Manax, from San Francisco. On what women and other wonderful humans want. A new edition of the show premieres
0: next Tuesday, wherever you get your podcasts.
1: And again, special thanks to Lee for joining us on the show today. My name is John, proudly 60 years old. I can stretch and kick and stretch. Yes, I'm 60. I'm also known as Hi There Cat Suit to my friends in the kink and fetish world. And I hope I've earned the privilege of your time. And I remind you to always remember consent and to love each other always. What Women and Other Wonderful Humans
0: Want connects with you. Join us on Twitter at WhatWomenWantP1. On Instagram at WhatWomenWantPodcast. For our kinky friends on FetLife at www podcast and now select shows are available in video format at youtube.com slash dating kinky this has been a presentation of dating kinky built by kinksters for kinksters poly queer trans folk and anyone not quite vanilla and it's free